Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is episode 31 of The Steam Room. Can you believe I said those two things in the same sentence, Chuckster? 31 episodes of The Steam Room? And they said we wouldn't make it, Ernie. I am so proud of me and you, and Cap, PK, <laughs> and all our special guests. I cannot believe this is a epi- this is a series now. Yeah, well, well beyond a series. This is, yeah. uh, and, and and the folks at Tractor Supply Company, obviously, our thanks to them too for sponsoring us. And man, this has been so much fun. Uh, and Maria Taylor is going to join us in just a bit from ESPN. She does it all. College football is going to be doing some Monday night football. She's got the NBA gig, man, and she's talented. And she's a Georgia Bulldog. So we look forward to speaking with Maria. Well, hey, you had to ruin yeah, – she had a good no, resume. Oh, no, 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 just stop, part. man, man. I was building up all that great stuff, and she's a Bulldog. But let's start with, first of all, Chuckster. First of all, you know you have a lot of money when you get hunting nut Cheerios. I've had the regular Cheerios. First of all, you know anybody ride a motorcycle who makes millions of dollars is an idiot. First of all, zero plus zero is zero. I got a couple things on my mind today. I mean, I, I was in a good mood till I start reading about this Novak Djokovic situation. And let me tell you something, Ernie. You get mad at me. Mark Cuban gets mad at me because I don't do social media. So I'm sitting around minding my own business, and I'm watching TV, and Novak Djokovic has to come out and say, leave this woman alone. And I'm like, what the hell going on? And then I did a little research, and apparently people are harassing this woman, making, uh, threatening her and things for getting hit in the neck with a ball. And he has to come out and apologize to tell the people to leave her alone on the internet. And my question is, how much of a loser do you have to be to harass somebody who got something did to them? Yeah, who was the victim in this thing? And I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it it boggles the mind, Chuckster. You know, where you could be that disappointed to see your favorite bounced out of a tournament for that to blame the woman for it when she's, yeah. you know, standing there ready to do her job and gets, you know, it's got, gets hit in the throat. So uh, it was just, I, I, you're, you're asking me to explain people's behavior and I am at a loss. I cannot help you there. Yeah. My, my thing is like, first of all, we can debate because I thought personally, I don't know if he should have like, uh, I'm a Joker fan. I don't know if he should have got suspended kicked out the tournament or not we can debate that well he had had to default the match and that knocks you out of the tournament yeah yeah so i i I, i'm not sure i agree with that to be honest with you but i'm sure about one thing to harass that lady make uh, like yeah i wish people would look in the mirror before they hermet was one of my favorite people in the world he says don't push sand 
And I wish every loser out there, <laughs> but before you push sin, would say, how, what kind of person am I? This poor lady who was the victim, I'm going to blame the victim. And I, I hate going off a, a, on a tangent about the internet because I, I heard a great line about the internet. It's the best blessing and curse in the history of civilization. Sure. Listen, we, we, we need humanity right now more than ever, more than ever. The thing about that, Chuck, and, you know, and I heard all of the, uh, the tennis analysts, uh, you know, who were working on ESPN doing the tournament and, and, and to, to a man and to a woman, it was like, as soon as they saw it happen, they yeah. knew just look, anytime you hit a linesman with a ball, you're going to be gone. You know, that's going to be, you're going to default the match. And so uh, it didn't surprise me that that happened. I don't, you know, I certainly don't think that he was walking away saying that he's going to do it. Yeah. It was, just, it was just one of those things where, uh, where he, he hit her and that's, and, and then that's what happens when you do something like that. We had seen him moments earlier, earlier in that match, really rear back and drill a ball into the into the netting or into the, into the side where nobody got yeah. hit um and so and it's you know and it wasn't like i don't believe that you know like she had made any egregious call that was like oh i can't you know you cost me the game it was just it was one of those things and and yeah uh, and he's and he's paying the price for it. and but he's coming out of it you know, as you know, people are saying, well, he's going to be a villain for the rest of his life. But when you come out and say, hey, look, lay off of her. This was I did this. Don't get on her case. You yeah. know, so so I do appreciate him doing that. I, I, and I, it's weird. You know, I heard those guys talking about uh, Novak being a villain. And I don't understand that either, to be honest with you. Like he made a mistake. You know, the the world is starting to act like politicians, uh, which is a disgrace where we're like, you're you're a Democrat, you're Republican, you're liberal, you're conservative. We have to hate each other. That's one of the reasons we're in this silly situation we are in now. We don't have enough grown people in the room and like, hey, you know what? I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat or conservative liberal. Let's just try to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And... I said before, man, it's time we need some grown folks to stand up right now. That was a wonderful first, first of all. I don't know. Do you have another first of all? Because that was kind of a wide-ranging and really good one, man. Smokey Gaines, one of my favorite coaches ever, coach at San Diego State. Just a good guy passed away last week, and I want to give him a shout-out. He was just a good – he was a hell of a coach and a good man. But – Smokey came to see me in high school. So Ennis Wiley was the best player in Alabama. I remember him. Yes. So he came to Alabama to recruit Ennis. And he said, well, the, the, the second best player in the state of Alabama is this kid out at Leeds. And you should go see him play. So Smokey came to see me play. And he went back to Ennis and says, no reason the kid's averaging 20 points and 20 rebounds. He playing against a bunch of 5'10 white guys. He came, he came to see us play, and he picked the worst game of the year. I think we were playing Tarrant High School. They didn't have anybody over 6'2", 6'3". 
And every hey, and the thing that was funny, every time I saw him for the rest of my life, every time I'm talking about for the next 40 years, I used to say, Hey, I did pretty good, didn't it? And we would just laugh about it. We would just laugh about it every single time. You know, rest in peace to Smokey Gaines and, and thanks to Smokey Gaines for giving stories that we can still laugh about and will for a long time. That's a good way to start the show, Chuckster. Yes, sir. The Steam Room presented by Tractor Supply Company. We've got uh, Maria Taylor on deck. She's going to be joining us from uh, her fashionable uh, abode in New York. Ooh. That's a nice that's a nice pad, man. I bet she's got a nice pad. As much as they work her, they better be paying her very well. Point well taken. We'll be back. We welcome you back to the steam room. Charles, your line? Uh, no, I'm going to change my line. I'm going to say beautiful, beautiful, talented special guest. Oh, that can only, and a bulldog to boot. Yes. Maria Taylor of ESPN joining us. And uh, Maria, thanks so much for taking some time because, man, you're busy. You're you're everywhere. You got college football. You got NBA. You got NFL. Man alive. Um, so so thanks for thanks for hanging with us. And uh, in one of your rare moments of uh, of being able to just uh, exhale. Um, How's life? How's life for you these days? Man, thanks for having me. I've actually been waiting on my invitation. Like the shock and awe I got when I had the email. I was like, oh my God, I finally make it on the steam room. Praise <laughs> God. I, I, I would like to thank the University of Georgia, you know, for allowing me and Ernie to become friends. I would like yes. to thank it for also allowing me to bring a bulldog into Chuck's life and make him hold it in a jersey. Like there's so many special things that have come from that. <laughs> hey, listen, let me tell you something. You are doing such a fantastic job because there's no way they would give you the keys to all those sports if you weren't talented and smart. I appreciate that. I I mean, honestly, you know, I played volleyball and I played basketball at Georgia. And when I used to think about my career, like I thought the end game was just doing like the women's final four, making it to the volleyball championship. Like I couldn't have imagined the sports I get to cover or you know, being at the national championship for college football, being on the desk for NBA playoffs, like that wasn't even something in my purview until I got to it. So, I mean, honestly, it's a testament to ESPN in a lot of ways, believing in me, growing me. I mean, I've been with them since 2010. Like I first started freelancing and doing some college football games, doing women's basketball. And so, and here we are almost 10 years later, still having a conversation about being on TV. Like it's shocking to me sometimes. Hey, how's college football going to work this year anyway? I mean, I'm I mean, that sounds like a stupid question, sure. Maria, but I'm I've been so knee deep and neck deep in hoops and it's like I'm saying, I know some teams are going to play, I know some teams are not going to play. I know some people are really ticked off. So, how's it going to work? Okay, so I mean, we obviously the Pac-12 isn't playing right now, Big 10 not playing. They still have a decision to make on whether or not maybe they start their season in Thanksgiving if they feel like things are a little bit better or maybe we'll have a COVID vaccine. I know the Pac-12 just kind of found out that they can have rapid testing, COVID testing where they can know and say maybe 45 minutes. So not that they could start the season right on time, but maybe they could start even sooner than Thanksgiving. And I mean, essentially all of the operations people that I've talked to, you, they'll probably test players and staff three times a week. If you have a positive COVID test, you immediately go into quarantine. 
Most teams have a, you know, minimum number of available players they have to have. If that number is 53, if you don't have 53 players or you had a COVID outbreak, then that game is skipped that week. And there's a, a cushion built into the season where if you miss a week, that team could come back and play their game again because most teams are only playing in their conference. And the conferences are deciding most of these rules. So the testing three times a week, that rule. Um, obviously, how many people could be on the sidelines? Even stuff like piping music in, if you think about it. Most stadiums will be at 20% capacity. There will be fans in stadiums. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's just being decided on the fly. And But it's going to happen. Games will happen. Game day's traveling for the first time this week. They're going to Wake Forest Clemson. So even our road show is going. Wait, so game day, which is to me, I mm-hmm. watch it religiously. Mm-hmm. I, I've been on it probably five or six times, but those guys are fantastic. So yep. One of the best things about this show is the live audience. I know. I mean, so how, how are they going to do that? We're doing virtual fans. So most of our shows will be from the stadium. And, you know, we're just trying to get fans to chime in and we'll kind of cut to them the same way that the NBA is doing in a lot of yeah. ways, the courtside pass. So you can see them or we can turn to them when we're talking about Clemson. You just won't see them behind our set anymore, but we want to use their noise. Obviously, we want them to be dressing up, being crazy, and bring their signs and doing the same things. But, yeah, we won't have fans for a while. That's so tough, too, because, you know, we would take our show on the road for the conference finals, and, you know, we're not going to do that this year. But it is but it is such a huge part of your show with yeah. with the signs and with, you know, somebody says, you know, you know, Herbie says something or Lee says something and gets everybody going. I mean, that you just, you have a whole new appreciation these days for what it's like to have that face to face with the fans. Yeah. I always joke too, like for college game day, it's like the only show you go to work and every time you show up, like someone's cheering for you to do your job. Like it's the most (laughs) unique thing ever. Like you just like stand up and they're like, yes. And you're like, I didn't do anything. And, and that's what, and I think that's what's special about college football too. And we all know it because we, you know, went to schools in the South and that was like the thing that everyone rallied around, but it is a religion in a lot of ways. And like, you see grandparents with their students and then you see when we show up on Fridays, you know what I mean? Like they're bringing in newborn babies and they're dressed up in Auburn gear. Like it's a crazy thing that sets it apart that we are completely going to miss. I don't know for how long, but certainly the beginning of the season. Hey, Maria, these days in the pandemic, uh, the social situation, I mean, our, our jobs have all, have all morphed a little bit over in the last uh, several months. How many folks are telling you, hey, look, I'm turning you guys on because I don't want to hear about all this stuff. I'm looking for an escape. But uh, I think we've found that in over the years, and I think Charles had a lot to do with it because he, he basically changed the landscape of shows like ours that that we can go outside the boundaries and talk about what's going on in the real world. But what is it like for you when you're saying, okay, we're not talking about, you know, what's going on on the floor. We're talking about what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, no question. There, there's a very loud, I think minority group of people that are telling us still hitting us with the shut up and dribble button and just wanting to only come to the game to watch the game And the reality is that there is no player in the NBA that is whatever 80% minority, or even if you add an international, they can't turn off being black when they get to the court. So it's not fair for them to be expected to do so. So if they mention it in their post-game presser, then we should be able to come out and have that conversation 
And honestly, it's unique even now that we have an NBA countdown show where it is all black. You know what I mean? So we can have these conversations and we can yeah. dig into experiences and and almost shed even more light to that that conversation or that soundbite. And we do look at it as a great responsibility, but honestly, it's an opportunity because how often are we given a platform where we can have these discussions? How often is the country almost like okay with it? I mean, we just did college game day and we had a round table with college football players and all we talked about was racial injustice and that spawned the reaction from Herbie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't relate to that if you're white, but you can listen and you can uh, try to help because this is not okay. It's just not. It's not. And uh, we just it's, ha it's we gotta do better, man. We, we, we don't have that without the conversation. You know what I mean? And so this is the first time that we've ever like, I've known it, you know what I mean? However long I've been in media that that's just been okay. And that's like a new normal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, there was a couple times, I think the first time I saw you, it might've been on get up. You were mm -hmm. so impassioned. Uh, speak about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think, um, first of all, the first time you came on get up, we didn't even like, I wasn't even interviewing you. I'm just on the show and you're like, and Maria, you're doing a great job. I appreciate you for that. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Like I wasn't even a part of the conversation. He's like, doing great. All right. <laughs> no, but get up was so different. I feel like get up was the reason why I could even be looked at as an NBA host. Um, cause most of my career was either you were an analyst or you were a reporter. And so you're just reporting facts or you're saying what the coach had to say or how players were feeling about a certain situation and then get up. You had to bring your own uh, opinion and it had to be, you know, built up in your experiences and what you've covered and all those things. So that was brand spanking new for me. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. I mean, it really is like we are opening ourselves up to criticism and we're all on social media. We all see it, even though you try to block it out. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, uh, you're making a decision to do something that does have a risk. People could be upset about it. People could turn you off or not be a fan of you anymore or not what you want on TV anymore. But I do believe that the risk is worth the reward at this point. And I always say like your community needs you more or the conversation needs you more. And being a black female right now is important that like our voices are heard. So it's something I enjoy doing now. Yeah, what I I, thought, I saw something the other day too, Maria. I thought it was really powerful when you were talking about your brother and your dad, who was an FBI, longtime FBI agent, and mm -hmm. having to have, you know, Charles and I talked on the show one night about, uh, you know, me never having to talk to my kids or my sons about what to do if you're stopped, you know, and and just the, and hearing you talk about the conversation your dad had with your brother mm -hmm. was really powerful. Can you share that? Sure. Yeah. My brother or my brother's six, seven, first of all, like we're a very tall family. So, you know, being a black man, one thing, but he's also like a very big presence. And my dad had always taught him that like, you have to be more than respectful to the police because a lot of times they're going to walk up to your vehicle afraid of you, even though they have the gun, like you have to understand that there's a fear there associated with your presence and act accordingly. So he had been stopped several times before, like the time that he was taking to jail was not there. Nothing was new about the actual stop, just getting pulled over. This time it happened to be his tail light was out, I believe. 
And the cop asked to see inside of his trunk and said he saw sticks and stems. So he was a saying that he probably had weed in his trunk. Nothing was ever found. Like there, there actually was nothing in the car. And he took him to jail. And my dad happened to be off work. He is working out of D.C. And he comes to you know the precinct and has a conversation with them. And as soon as he tells the police officer that he was an FBI agent, he's like, well, why didn't your son tell me that? I wouldn't have arrested him. And he's like, you shouldn't be arresting good kids like your job is to keep good kids out of the system and put bad people in the system and he told my dad a story i didn't get to do this on nba countdown but he told my dad that the week before he pulled over a kid who he couldn't find anything in his car he suspected something and he took him to jail and then they were able to like search him and then he found some weed on him and so he thought the same thing about my brother and like even the audacity to be like, well, you look suspicious and you probably are doing something wrong. So I'm just going to take you to jail and see what happens. And the reality that if my brother doesn't have an FIA agent father, he has a record now. And like, think about the hopelessness that could create in a person who's trying to do the right things, that's trying to walk on the right side of the road. And then the, the color of their skin elicits this entire reaction and spins down into this, this other reality that they weren't even prepared for. Like, that's a real thing that happens. You know, I, I talked about it when I was on CNN. Okay, America's still really segregated, really segregated. How much a powerful effect do you think when, when white people see black people on television or Hispanics, they're always criminals. Uh, same thing if you're Muslim. Like, if you're a Muslim on TV, you're blowing up some stuff or in a movie. I, I've always told people, I think it has a psychological effect whether you think you're racist or racial. And those are two different things, racist and racial. But I do believe there's a huge racial aspect, especially if you're walking up on a six, seven black guy, you're like, well, you got you got to have some psychological effect. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I think even having, say, you, Chuck, on TV and laughing and being like, this, yeah, you're huge and you're this big figure and you're a black man, but they're like, oh, but like, look, look, there's this black man that can be like effervescent and have conversations with anyone and da 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 da. And I feel the same for me sometimes. Like, I'm in Oxford, Mississippi, you know what I mean? And I'm here with the college football faithful. And like, we know majority of those fans are probably older, probably white, probably very Southern. And so, like, the effect of just seeing me or seeing you or seeing anybody on TV having the conversations that we're having, it's like, honestly, they might allow it a little more, or we might reach a different segment of the population than anyone else possibly could. Um, and without even realizing it, you know what I mean? Like sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it. First of all, you're 100% correct. But the problem with that is you go back and watch uh, Spike Lee's movie, uh, Do the Right Thing. And I always use that as a point of reference. When Danny Aiello was the really, really racist, said he hated all the N-words, and then he said, well, wait a minute. Well, who's your favorite single? He said, Michael Jackson. Well, he said, who's your favorite athlete? He says, Michael Jordan. He said, they're black. And he said, they're not black. So I, I know how it is for me. And I, you're in the mm -hmm. same boat as me, what you were saying. Yep. Like, they don't look at rich black people as being black. That's what. That's the thing that while we're always in a catch-22 discussing these situations. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And you know what, also, when I think about seeing how emotional Herbie got when he was talking about after that, after that round table and you hear the stories and, and what fascinates me is every time I hear people in this country saying, no, that's, it, it, there's not systemic racism. No, there's not. And then I, th and I think back to Jane Elliott, uh, you know, the professor who, who specializes uh, in this 
and her asking a room full of white people at this conference, everybody who would like to be treated the way that African-Americans are treated in this country, please stand up. And there's not a soul who stands up. And she, you know, that and the blue eye, brown eye thing she did with kids where she just treated kids differently based on whether they had blue eyes or brown eyes for no reason. And, and when you look at it in those terms, you know that that's, look, it's just been ingrained. You're just used to it. And that's mm-hmm. the problem is that, no, this is the way it's always been. And, and, and not recognizing the problem. And I think that's where the frustration comes from, Maria. Yeah. And I think that gets to the reaction that you see from Herbie, because it's like you're hearing a kid that's 19 that plays at Texas that we're cheering for on Saturdays. You're like, oh, no, my dad taught me that I have to be two times better, you know, work two times harder. I'll probably get half as much and like don't grow up being a stereotype. And like these are all the things that they said in that conversation. And he's like, like still, wow this is happening. Like it's 2020 and these conversations are still happening. And if you don't accept that there's a problem, then there's something wrong with you. Like the only reaction is outrage at this point. Um, But yeah, it's so interesting and so deeply embedded that a lot of times I'm just like, I don't think there's a fix. Like I don't even see how you fix this all systematic racism. Hey, you know, uh, my daughter was living in New York and you're living in New York. Okay. And, and, And they tell me, it's just crazy since the pandemic hit. It mm-hmm. went from being like the one of the coolest places to visit uh, to now like a ghost town. Can you yes. expand upon that? 100%. I literally, me and my friends, we got together like, oh, we're going to go to dinner. So we go to dinner at six o'clock. And then at nine o'clock, it was last call. This was Saturday. Like a Saturday wow. in New York, things are open till like 3 a.m. or whatever. Chuckster, you could not survive in New York you, right you now. Couldn't. <laughs> you have to start the night at 2 p.m. Wait, they, they had last call at nine o'clock in New York? Yes. We were we were like, what? At a bar? And you can you have to order food. So you can't just like go to a bar and sit outside and have drinks. Like you have to order some kind of food in order to sit outside. There's no indoor dining at all, which is completely different from like being in Atlanta. At least it's you could sit inside or you could sit outside. It is a ghost town and a lot of people have moved out. I can look outside my window and look into the apartment next door and it's like a bunch of empty rooms because people have moved. You know, they want places with front yard, backyard where they can have their kids. You know, you don't want to be stuck in a one bedroom or a two bedroom. So it, it really is a little bit of a ghost town. But I see the most masks here in New York. Everyone's wearing their masks. They're still counting to make sure that there's not a ton of people in every single store. So there's lines outside, but it's a ghost town. Hey, you know what I what I love, Maria? Look, we we hear a lot of folks talking about what we should do, you know, and talk versus action and that kind of thing. But I love a couple of things that you're involved in that uh, dogs for pups things up in Athens, which is you're trying to get mobile hotspots for, for internet, for kids who have to, um, you know, do virtual learning that, and that the winning edge um, leadership Academy, you're trying to raise up, next generation of black head coaches, black ADs. I mean, not to simplify it, but, but expound on that because I think, I think that's putting words to action. Yeah. I think one of the, the biggest things that I notice, and especially in covering college sports and you guys probably know it too, but 
you'll go to the games and say 80% of the starting lineup will be black men. And then you talk to everyone in administration and you're like, man, like there's no representation here. There's no one that looks like these kids um, that are leading anything. And I was fortunate that I went to the university of Georgia. So, you know, Damon Evans was my athletic director at the time. Carla Williams was my senior women's administrator. Um, Arthur Johnson was there working in development. So I had like, I was like, we can do anything. This is, this is what college athletics looked like. So I was surprised when I got on the road and saw how poor diversity was, especially in college sports. And then I'm also talking to players and talking to kids and they're all interested in working in sports, but can't figure it out. So the winning edge is really just trying to be that bridge to help build diversity. So we're finding that great talent, specifically student athletes, trying to partner them with mentors in the industry that they want to work in, helping them build their resume, helping them find that entry-level job going out and we're talking to Adidas about, okay, can you just preserve two internship tracks for just the winning edge or going out to Georgia and doing the same thing? And people are very receptive to it. And this was, this was before we started the racial reckoning. I think people were very interested in trying to find diverse candidates, weren't sure how to, and we're just trying to ease that a little bit more now. And now we're in a situation where, where everyone is looking and searching and trying to do better with their workplace. So it's a great time to be a part of the organization. Tell me about the hotspot thing. Yeah, so, you know, especially with um, at-home learning, obviously it would disproportionately affect Black kids because if they're coming from a socioeconomic background where they don't have enough money necessarily for food and lights, then, like, mom and dad can't afford your Wi-Fi connection. How can you do online learning? How can you come home and even do the research that you need or do the work that you need from home? So, you know, Dogs for Pups is all about making sure that the Athens-Clark County community, the kids of that community, have access to Wi-Fi. It's like literally as simple as that. And the change that that can make in a kid's life is huge because a ton of the learning that they're doing now is on computers. Like they're given computers, they're given iPads at school, but then they go home and can't really use them anymore. So I'm from a small town Mm -hmm. and I'm buying them 250 computers because we have, the school only had 200 computers and I'm buying them 250 computers. And I want to give a shout out to AT&T. I want to thank them because when I was meeting with the principal, that's the one thing he said. He said, we need computers and we need Wi-Fi. And my boss, Tara August, she called AT&T who owns us and they're going to give my little, those kids in my high school free Wi-Fi for a year. Uh, So I just, like I said, I I don't know if I can do it, but I don't mind making a call or trying to get it done for you. But man, this, this is the one thing that scares me to death about this pandemic the gap between the rich and poor is going to really, really grow. And I'm in a small town. And I can, and like, for, for, for my kids, and I look at everybody in Leeds as my kids, for my kids in my hometown to try to virtually learn, we already have a great disparity between the rich and the poor. And obviously it has a huge effect on minority communities. This is one thing that I'm really concerned about all this virtual learning. So yeah. uh, you keep doing that that digital divide just keeps on uh, growing ever wider. You're a good dude, Chuck. I appreciate you doing that too. And and Maria, before we let you go, you posed an interesting question uh, the other day after we saw Luka Doncic hit the shot. You said, just wondered, what were you doing at 21? <laughs> so Charles, you go first. What were you doing at 21, Chuckster? I think I was still in college. So, uh, I, listen, uh, I was still in college at Auburn University, Wardam Eagle. 
Yeah, I was 1970. Yeah, I was I was too. 1977, I was 21 years old and I was uh I was at UGA but also working at the FM radio station Q105 FM <laughs> in, in Athens when I was 21. It's easier for Maria to remember when she was when she, when she was it was like 3 weeks ago. I know I was actually like that was my first year I was like fresh out of college like just started my new job like interning and working at Georgia so I was covering like equestrian at Georgia and going to tennis yeah going to tennis practice like I had my own bag and all that stuff and going out every night because you can (laughs) yeah let's do something for Chuckster here before we split with college football right around the corner so I'll be I'll be one part of the stands and you're the other side of the stands are you ready I'm ready. Georgia. Bulldog. Georgia. Bulldog. Go. Bulldog. Take him. <laughs> Take that for data. Hey, let me, hey, hey. Hold on. Let me pick these up. <laughs> hey, those are our ratings going down, Maria. Let's pick them up. <laughs> Put, get, it got you in the mood for college football, didn't it, Chuckster? Or lose to Georgia, or... Hey, man. At least you don't have to go play Oregon and not make the college football playoff. And uh, just for the record, we beat, just for the record, we beat Oregon. Barely. You hey. barely beat them. <laughs> hey, at least I don't feel walking around. Like, y'all act like Herschel Walker going to walk through that door. Y'all been living on Herschel Walker... For a hundred years. We had Todd Gurley. We've had great running backs. No, no I'm talking about national championship. See, I, Cam Newton can walk through that door. It was recent. Oh, my gosh. He's running over people. Oh, you Herschel <laughs> Walker. Uh, hey, uh, uh, Maria Taylor, it's uh, it's wonderful to be a proud uh, product of the Grady College of uh, Journalism and Mass Communications at the University of Georgia. Wonderful to have you on the show. And continued success you're doing just awesome and uh and the best is yet to come thanks guys for having me i appreciate it you know that's so awesome like early when you get somebody like her like and they got the personality to match their job yep yeah it's really cool and special no she's smooth man she really really is Welcome back to the Steam Room, where, um, again, anybody who joins us in the Steam Room, we want them to keep the towel on. Especially this guest. Especially, especially, especially you this guest. You, you hijacked my line there, man, of course. <laughs> Tim Kylie, the legendary longtime producer of Inside the NBA, the brains behind the operation. What do you got going on? You always talk to me about being legendary. Bigger than legendary, you are trending. You are number one in the entire universe. No, all because of this. No, come on. I bet you don't know who that is, Arnie. Hey, it's the boss Rick Ross, MIA, yo. Hey, Big Ernie. Russell Westbrook. In sicko mode, man. Oh, okay, Ernie. Yeah. Yo, Ernie. Who is that? Oh, Drake and Travis that? Scott. Oh, oh, Ernie. Ernie. If I'm not mistaken. Ernie. Come on, man. Ernie, you're going too much right Ernie. now. Oh, wait, wait. 
Who is this, Ernie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's over! Ernie, you got to tell us the reaction. Come on, man. This is the greatest thing. Your kids must be going nuts. No, I just got all I got was a a, a text a short time ago. Eric's been out of town, so I got a text from Eric the other day. He said, "So who gave you all that information?" <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing that was so awesome about it, like you guys do, uh, Shaq and Kenny are diehard internet fans, or whatever. And he's like, yo, man, Rick Ross gave Ernie a shout out tonight for saying that. I mean, like, it's that's amazing, man. <laughs> so it was it was really fun. And look, if it made you laugh, we all need to laugh. And, and you ain't kidding. Man alive. It nothing feels better than laughing, that's for sure, man. Yeah, I I, I love it. I, see, the one thing I can say about the people who watch our show, man, they get those those things on the internet so fast. They were having oh. so much fun with Ernie last night. It was awesome to be at work last night. Oh, man. That's the best. All right, lightning round, Chuck. You ready? Yes, sir. We're looking for some guarantees. Over, under, the Buccaneers. Games win, nine. Over, guarantee. Are they going to play 16 games again? Guarantee. They're going to finish the season. There you go. All right, Chuck. Eagles, over, under, wins, nine. I'm going over. Guaranteed. Oh, you are being generous today. All right, I'm being I'm trying to be nice to you. I'm not talking Steelers, so I'm taking your teams. The Cardinals. Over under wins 6.5. Oh, over. We got DeAndre Hopkins to go with the great Larry Fitzgerald. And Cal Kyle Murray's gonna be better this year. But let me tell you something. We got DeAndre Hopkins to go with the great Larry Fitzgerald, who's the greatest athlete in Arizona history. Mr. Larry Fitzgerald, who's one of the best guys ever. Over. Guaranteed. All right. Patriots wins. Over under eight. Whew. You know, I, I got no choice here. They got my boy Cam Newton start. Over. Guaranteed. Oh, All right. If everything's as, everything goes as planned, Chuck, and the injuries are min minimal and COVID's minimal, who's your Super Bowl champ? Oh, the Kansas City Chiefs. They got everybody back, and they're better. They got the kid out of LSU, uh, Clyde Hilaire. Hilaire, they are the favorite. They, they are the prohibitive favorite. Who are the Chiefs going to beat in the Super Bowl? I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers again. Come on, Chuck. No Tom Brady action? I think Tom Brady's age is a factor. TK, this is the craziest thing about this year. We're all learning on the fly. I mean, no preseason games, a shortened training camp. Like, this is crazy, man. We don't, like, we have no idea what's going to happen in football this year. I mean, it, this is going to be, this is going to be like watching a, like a, a, an experiment. Well, Ernie, I have to go back to the newsroom and check on your status. I, I think you're still hanging in there at number one. I don't. I was never number one. Stop it. Oh, you were you were number one trending in the world last night, Ernie. No, I wasn't really. Cap, confirm this. Confirmed. Number one in the universe, Ernie. Jeez, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, no. Do you know what that was? That was great TV, Ernie. It was. It yeah. was the best. 
right, boys. Till next time. All right, brother. Be safe. I can't wait to hear the new theme music. I hear it's coming up next. Ooh, it's awesome. Yes. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Hey, and it's easy to learn, too, TK. I heard the lyrics are quite easy. <laughs> you'll, you'll be tapping your toes to it all day long. Oh, no question. See you, boys. All right. Later. Chuck and Ernie in the theme room. Come and join us in the theme room. Chuck and Ernie in the theme room. Leave your towel on in the theme room. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, I was singing that <sighs> driving the car all week. Chuck <sighs> and Ernie in the steam room. Yeah. Oh, that is hilarious. Look, this has gone, Chuckster, from being just kind of a funny, you know, it's the it's the Charles answering machine, you know, oh good, this is old school and kind of kind of funny yeah. to to really a gold mine. We've had some wonderful calls. Last week, when Dustin from Arizona called, man alive, this I mean. This is the theme song with lyrics? Come on. That is hilarious. So I can't wait to see what we get uh, this week as we go to Chuck's answering machine. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hey, Chuck and Ernie. This is Kathy, an American living in Hong Kong. My husband first brought me into the steam room. We just love you guys. I can put in my earbuds and escape into my sewing room and listen to your fun, meaningful, and topical issues while I sew and quilt. Congrats on your Emmy win, and while I love the antics on Inside the NBA, I'm glad you have the platform in the steam room to get into what you do. Hey, are you guys aware of the adorable French bulldog on Instagram named Barkley Sir Charles? And do you guys prefer dogs or cats? Thanks. Thank you, Kelsey, for the call. And you have a lot in common with my wife, who loves to sew as well and, and uh, has all kind of machines and all that stuff. And you've had you've had a lot of folks name their pets after you. I have. You know what? That's such a compliment. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's such a compliment when somebody names uh, a pet after you. I've been asked that question many times. I'm like, I take it as a great compliment. But I do have to uh, cast it from Hong Kong. Uh, I want to thank you for calling in and leaving a message. But uh, a cat's not a real pet. A cat's not even a real thing, just for the record. <laughs> I have to probably dispute that statement. A cat is not a real thing, much less a real pet. A lot of people have cats, and they are great companions. Uh, hey, hey, just because people got some. I happen to not be a cat person. I'm allergic to cats. Yeah, you know, well, first of all, everybody should be allergic to cats. Listen, I'm a dog guy. Me too. All the way. But I'm telling you, uh, I, I just I just can't get into cats early. I'm not going to get on here and lie. Okay. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not a cat person either. And my uh, my granddaughter Katie, when I told her I was allergic to cats, she said that's too bad. I'm only allergic to bears. Uh, next call, <laughs> go. <laughs> Hey, Charles, I was just going to say, I think you are the funniest person in TV. I'm only 14 years old, and sometimes I just watch the NBA games, and I'll stay up to 2 o'clock watching Inside the NBA just because of you, Ernie, Shaq, and you're the best, man. Wow, that's so sweet. And Kenny, too. Uh, well, no, he, he didn't say Kenny. I know. Uh, trust yeah. me, many times I have wanted to not say Kenny to, hey, number one, thank you for the love and supporting our show. But, man, take your butt to bed. 
because you got to get your education. Education, knowledge is king. You get your education, young gun. But uh, listen, I really appreciate you being a, a fan of the show. Working with Ernie and Kenny and Shaq is, a, is one of the best experiences of my life. You know, we got so many people who work on the show to make it successful. But but uh, take your butt to big. You got to get up and go to school the next day. But thanks for the call. And our final call. Hi, this is Patty from Missouri again. I'm still walking. But I just want to again thank you for getting me out of my funk. And kind of out of my comfort zone because I would never send a voicemail. So I thought, now what do I need to do in this time? And you guys make me cry and laugh and especially think. And I'm not one to be a joiner, but thinking about how things are going, let's take some small steps. So I did sign up to be a poll worker for this coming election. And that's a little bit out of my comfort zone, but it's time to get out of my comfort zone. So thank you again. Y'all been an inspiration. And fried okra and tomato sandwiches are the best. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Right you are, Patty. Fried okra and tomato sandwich. She's just on such a high, floating up, floating up, and then she crashed and burned. No, come on. I'll have to make you a tomato sandwich sometime. That's... Man, I'm not eating just tomato on a sandwich, man. Stop How, it. You can't dismiss it without trying it, Chuckster. It, it... You can't have a sandwich you, without yes, you meat can. We've anyway. been down this road before. Well, wait. A sandwich is not a sandwich if it don't have meat on it. Hey, PB and J, and you said, oh, the good point, Ernie. I didn't know your mind worked that quickly. Okay, you're right. Uh, okay, yeah. there you go. See, that was all, all the way back to last week, so I'm not surprised you don't remember it. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of golfers out there who put peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the bag when they're playing tournaments, you know, and, 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 we'll, and we'll have those. So you think that's the secret to my game? I need to start eating peanut butter and jelly on like the eighth hole, make a couple birdies? Try something. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand. Well, I tell you what. I decided though, Ernie. I'm gonna try fried okra somewhere. All right. I'm never gonna eat that green slime and stuff, but I see it at restaurants sometimes. But I'm gonna try fried okra at some point. Got to be really crispy. It can't be soggy. No, it can't be soggy. That stuff is disgusting when it's soggy. When I'm just looking at it. Although I've had it in gumbo before, and it's good. Yeah, see, see, see. that's one thing that annoys me about gumbo. You have to look through it and see if it's got okra in it. When you get gumbo without okra, it is amazing. You don't even look at it. You just dive in, man. No, 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 no. I pick the okra out. Like, if I'm at a great restaurant, <laughs> I do. I do. If I'm at a restaurant, especially if I'm in New Orleans or somewhere in the South, and they, and they got great gumbo, because you can get, like, different types of meat in it, I'll pick the okra out. Yeah. Hey, you know what? There was a point that Patty made. You know, she said she's going to be a poll worker at the election. And I applaud that. But I also, man, I'm just asking people to be, everybody take a deep breath. Because there are going to be some lines and there are going to be some frustrations. And, you know, don't take it out on these folks who were manning these, you know, that's a, that's going to be a tough job. And everybody's, you know, just, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Uh, early on in your first of all, when we talked about how people react and hit the send button, you know, I, had a, I got a good buddy. He's my pastor, Kevin Myers at 12 Stone Church here outside Atlanta, always talks about, hey, look, these three second windows 
are so important. You decide to take that count of three before you do, before you send it, before you react to something too quickly. So those three second windows, don't be too hasty to, to lose your head over something these days, because it's tough on all of us. And when we get into election day and we get into long lines and that kind of thing, everybody take a deep breath. Everybody realize. Patty, thanks for getting out of your comfort zone. We're just two yeah. crazy people who want to make you laugh. And most of the time we want to, we want to make you laugh and enjoy the podcast. Sometimes we get serious, but uh, thanks for being a law steamer. Yep. Thank you so much for that. And and sometimes we are serious and sometimes we like to end the show with uh, this. This song might be climbing the charts before it's all said and done. We're after, we'll get Cap to try to push this through to a couple of record companies. That's it for the steam room. And uh, take us out, will you, Dustin from Arizona? Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Come and join us in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room.